today on our show, we're going to dust off our running shoes and put our best Tom Cruise act on for Mission Impossible Fallout. We're also going to review Kaiser, a documentary about the footballer who literally was the football equivalent of Catch Me If You Can. We also deep dive into how the human species comes to an end in extinction, as well as playing box office higher or lower, and me and John share an anniversary love. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, the film podcast about news, general entertainment, general pop culture. It's the podcast that is frantically searching for its Twitter history, deleting anything that might come back to bite it on the arse 10 years later. Speaking about people that keep biting on the arse after 10 years, he's my main man, he's my guy. He's been on computer games like Guitar Hero, Guitar Hero 2, he's worked on DJ Hero, he's got an album called Lucky Dust, it's available on iTunes and all good streaming services. John Descamento, how you doing buddy? Yeah. Amazing. Uh, it's 25 years, actually, Flinty. And <laughs> no one wants to hear the origin story of how we met again, because it's very sad. It would make a good film one day. It would be a tearjerker. <laughs> but hey, how's our happy ending? We end up doing a podcast together. Exactly. So it's we'll, all good. We'll call it Jerk and Jerker when, when Flinty met Crick. Um, <laughs> oh, God. I'll tell you, should we just crack straight on to news? Because it's been an absolutely frantic couple of weeks. News. It's obviously, Comic-Con happened last weekend. And to be honest, knowing our demographic, knowing the community that listens to this podcast, you've probably read and seen everything to do with Comic-Con. So we're going to more touch on just general film news. But if you are interested in our take on some of the bits that came out of Comic-Con and a bit more nerdy, then maybe drop us a line on Twitter at TalkFilmyToMe. And if there's enough people, we'll probably do a special. But let's talk about the, the big thing that happened over the last couple of weeks. Uh, James Gunn, the writer and director of the Guardians of the Galaxy films, and as well as other cult classics like, I think, Sliver he done. He also he also wrote the Scooby-Doo movie, you know, the, the live-action uh, remake. Anyway, he was uh, involved in that. Um, he was fired um, from by Marvel and Disney um, after penning Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Judasum. It's fair to say some ill-tasting tweets that he done a while ago. Um, it should be pointed out that he was actually vetted for this. Um, when I say vetted, when he was brought on by Marvel, Marvel did actually go through his social media history and his background, and he was cleared. It's only recently a group of, um, I don't really know what to call them, an advocacy group for uh, transparency and directors, I suppose is a, a nice way of calling it, um, brought this to Disney's attention with a petition and they responded. What's your take on this, John? Well, I mean, I didn't realise how old James Gunn was because when I, I read his tweets, I heard the news, I was like, OK, I've got to read these tweets. And I read the tweets and I assumed he was quite young, but he's 51, so <laughs> these tweets were made <laughs> when he was in his 40s. Like, um, I mean, the tweets then, they weren't set in proper context, were they, firstly? Maybe they're not that funny. They're just trying to be edgy, pedo jokes. I mean... I think when we were teenagers, we probably made some off-colour jokes that we wouldn't want to be brought up now. Um, I mean, posting on Twitter's not a great idea, but at the end of the day, I think this is ridiculous because, firstly, you're saying you didn't vet him properly because you should have known about this. This has been on Twitter. And secondly, this campaign sort of come from the alt-right in America, right? sort of trying to get yeah. a bit of own back on um you know some of the things that happen to their unsavory characters and james gunn obviously holds quite liberal views and he thinks quite vocal about that on twitter um so mm -hmm. i mean it's a really sad sorry state of affairs and i think it's a real you know chopping off your nose to spite your face for disney i think all round bad news for me what about you yeah i, I I agree with you. There's a few things of note on this. One, um, someone can change opinions and become a better person. Isn't the whole concept of the Guardians of the Galaxy about being an arsehole and then becoming a better person? That's the general story that every major character in, in Guardians of the Galaxy goes through. And James Gunn epitomises that, right? He's he, 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 he said some off-colour stuff. He even admitted himself. He wrote a letter... Um, to the fans explaining, yeah, you know what, I channeled my art and energy and creativity into stuff which wasn't exactly very productive. 
Um, I learned my lesson from that, channeled that into something more productive, and that's how I've got to where I am now. I mean, come on, he just made some crap jokes. Who really cares? You know what? Someone should really not tell the Disney PR department about Walt Disney because he had some weird <laughs> views as well, which might not be too distasteful to the the current regime in Disney. But um, yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit. Just I'm just gutted. Um, I think he's an amazing creator. I think he bred a whole new lease of life into into superhero films and he he took the guardians of the galaxy right no one knew of them really yes okay in your comic books the geeks out there would would love these characters but no one outside of that world knew of these guys and and james gunn with his his creativity and the cast and the backing from marvel made this into a household name and it's a crying shame we're losing that talent in this world it will be someone else's gain um, I really hope that he does go on and do some awesome stuff as a result of, of being left out of this world. I kind of hope Taika Waitiki steps in to, to kind of fill the void, although I think that's too much of a, an obvious move and I can imagine Taika going and doing something else completely off the cuff and crazy. Um, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm with you. I'm good. I'm kind of glad that we're we're kind of speaking up on this because I've listened to a lot of podcasts about this and everyone is basically pussyfooting around it because A, they've all probably got relationships with Disney and they're afraid they'll, they'll never get a job with them or something like that in the future. But also, it's just like, yeah, let's call it for what it is. Look, he made, he made some stupid tweets and he should not have been fired from this. There's an interesting uh, graphic going around on the internet of, a, of um, the old CEO of Disney going, uh, they're complaining about lack of diversity in uh, in Star Wars films again, boss. Oh, just throw him James Gunn. And uh, yeah, it's just... Anyway, I think we've probably spent far too long talking about this subject, but I think it's fair to say that we're not in yeah, favour of it. Let's sum it up with the word bullshit. <laughs> there we go. There we go. You heard it here first. So uh, moving on, why not? Let's talk a bit more about Disney. Um, Carrie Fisher... Obviously, we all know and love her as Leia. Passed away, I think, about 18 months ago, shortly after recording her bits for episode 8. Um, Star Wars, or Lucasfilm, have announced that Carrie Fisher is actually going to be in episode 9. It's not going to be a CG creation like they've done in some other films. It's not going to be uh, using cuts from episode 8. It's actually some scenes she filmed in episode 7 that they decided to hold on for a bit. So... Um, it's great that they're going to honour her memory and, and show you know see the character off in a way which hopefully will do her justice. Which yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it's amazing that they're still. I mean, casting her. Um, hopefully, it's relevant. It's not just going to be like just they've based the whole film around this random scene that didn't make it in episode seven, but. <laughs> do you remember that Simpsons episode with Poochie and they killed off the character and they were just like I have to go now my planet needs me and just rotates out of the screen I'm sure it won't be anything like that and uh, I just I, I, yeah it's one of those things where obviously they'd done the story for Leia they had an arc for her that they wanted to have over this saga um, obviously Ryan Johnson was the last person to actually work with her physically in, in a Star Wars film and they uh, it's fair to say that if that was to be her last performance and her last appearance as Leia, that the story would definitely would have been incomplete. So I'm hoping JJ has a, a trick up his sleeve or, or a few anyway and uh, can pull this one out of the bag because I think it's fair to say that the Star Wars saga um, needs a bit of uh, a bit of oomph to really bring it home in this in this final episode. So um, so yeah, hopefully it's going to be a, a good turn on that. Um, going back to people complaining. Um, Netflix released the trailer for a new TV show they got coming out, uh, I think in August. It's called Insatiable. Um, the concept of this TV show is a girl who is at high school. Um, she's a bit on the large side. She gets picked on a lot. And uh, she's been picked on her entire life, basically, and uh, for her weight and body slamming and all that sort of stuff. And due to an accident where she has her jaw wired shut for a period of time, she comes back to, to high school all, all healed up. And as a result of her, her therapy, she's lost a load of weight. And lo and behold, she's quite attractive. And this TV show is all about her getting revenge. It's the, you picked on me when I was, when I was undesirable. Now everyone wants me. Um, I'm going to get my own back. And this has sparked outrage amongst uh, a lot of the internet. And there's a petition for Netflix to cancel this show. But this is still on the back of a trailer, by the way. It's just the trailer. And that's got over 160,000 uh, signatures. Now, in the population of the world, obviously, that's a drop. But this is picking up a lot of press. John, have you had a chance to see this trailer yet? Um, I A little bit of it, yeah. I think, I mean, this is going back to the first item we covered. 
uh, some more bullshit, isn't it? It's a story. It's just a story. <laughs> you don't stop it from coming out and censor it. When it comes out, you just voice your opposition for it and make a big hoo-ha then. But I think trying to silence it is a bit juvenile, isn't it? Yeah, and also, come on, guys. Like, you're calling out body slam. And, and don't get me wrong, there will be a lot of people out there that have watched this trailer and have been offended. And, and for those people, I, I, I apologise uh, that you feel that way. Um, I, I think that also, you live in a democracy, don't watch. And I think also, if you've got a problem with this, then why aren't people going after The Rock? Because he done a film where his character starts life as a chubby teenager and then he becomes The Rock. So isn't that like body slamming? Or what about that film with Ryan Reynolds where he's teenage? he was a teenage character and was absolutely tubby and uh, obviously was very undesirable yeah. and then becomes Ryan Reynolds? Well, we- what about Friends where Monica was the size of a house and we call it a classic TV? Why pick out this one TV show? Where was your petitions before this TV show? That's, that's my question and I'd love yeah. to be educated better on the subject. Yeah, you hear, I mean, you hear the same... Uh, articles I've I've read some stuff about Monica from Friends and how it would be would be treated differently. It'd be a bit more controversial now. Maybe we're just this is what becoming old farts feels like. But it just feels so. It feels silly, doesn't it? If we've gone too far one way with the um, with James Gunn, then we're too far the other way with this. It just very juvenile but i think these things gain traction really easily online and probably blown out of proportion compared to what most people feel about these things so it's easy to get carried away but you know i'm just outraged by all the outrage that's my problem <laughs> we're just old men yelling at clouds <laughs> but uh, but you know in all seriousness and um, we do live in a democracy and this is you know this is freedom of speech and creativity within that if it's something which you're offended by then as john said at least let's see the whole story before you draw your own conclusion it might just be a really bad edit of the trailer for all we know right now and um, speaking of netflix so do you remember we talked about andy circus's mowgli movie from his first uh, production house that he's put together and the trailer dropped about a month and a half ago and that's now been picked up by netflix uh, the studio that created it decided or sorry when i say it was andy circus the distribution studio that was funding a lot of this film decided that the best way to for this film to to see the light of day is for netflix to pick it up um, because a lot of people fed back saying, "Look, this is although I appreciate it's a different story you're following, it's very it's too similar to uh, the Jungle Book, John Favreau's Jungle Book that came out not too long ago, and it's still fresh in people's memories. So it's going to become a streaming gem. Okay, well, is that good news? Does that like the sign that a film isn't going to quite uh, live up to the hype, or do you think it's a it's a good positive thing? I think because this film has got such good cast both in front and behind the camera, um, I think this is probably still going to be really good. I think it is literally just because a studio have gone, oh, we didn't realise people would still remember that Disney movie too much and it's too it's too similar, so we're going to... We're going to bulk at it for a little while, and um, that's what I think's happened. I think it still it still looks great, um, great casting, great director. So uh, I'm hoping it's going to be good. And Netflix, you know, it looks like you've picked up probably what's going to be one of your best originals, uh, and I can imagine they've managed to get it at quite a, a good price as well. So that's coming in 2019. Looking forward to it. So moving away from moving away from reboots and uh, and just rehashes of stuff let's talk about another reboot <laughs> so charlie's angels is uh, getting rebooted it's got um christian stewart naomi scott ella balanska it's also being directed by elizabeth banks elizabeth banks uh, you may know her as britter in community she was also rita in the power rangers uh, remake that was terrible but um this is quite exciting you've got some really funny people behind the camera and uh, on the writing process on this so this is kind of cool it's been a long time since charlie's angels has been dusted off i wonder who's going to be charlie or who's going to be like the contact with charlie that's gonna be quite cool what's your take did you enjoy charlie's angels growing up um never that into it but it was our sort of era wasn't it it must have came out when i was a teenager we were looking at early 2000s wasn't it so I guess there's a new yeah. audience for it. Um, we won't have a go at it too much for rebooting something <laughs> too soon. But yeah, no, it looks good. Looks like a great cast. Um, probably more pertinent now as well with the, uh, you know, Me Too movement and all sorts of stuff we can go. 
Yeah, I think this is this is going to be cool. Um, I think the car sounds great. It's really good talent uh, in the writing process in this as well. I kind of hope that they do a bit of a, a callback and get some of the original cast involved. It'll be cool if Lucy Liu gets involved. She's just started directing. Um, she directed the opening episode of Luke Cage Season 2, and that was a, an awesome episode. And apparently she's getting more involved behind the camera in her TV show in Elementary as well. So it'll be kind of cool if she gets involved in this as well. Obviously, she was such a, a prominent figure in the original uh, version well not the original version the, the movie version that came out in the early 2000s and I hope Bill Murray's there as well you know what actually just just, just make it tied into the other ones I quite enjoyed them back in the day but um, John Bruce Dallas Howard awesome actor we know her from Jurassic World that Black Mirror episode do you remember that one did you see that one um, I've seen them all I'm trying to remember so she was the one who was obsessed with social media and wanting to get likes yes that she basically turned up to her friend's wedding and that was like one of her big like roles before she made it into films and she's been cast it was that was an awesome episode and uh, actually it's coming out soon isn't it the new Black Mirror uh, season 5 I think it'll be around November time but um, anyway she's been cast in the Elton John biopic Rocket Man uh, details are quite scarce of what the character she's going to play will she sing who knows um, it's going to be a musical so it will be quite cool if she, she sings as well in this but I think a great cast uh, I, even though I don't know the role but I just love the fact that she's in this I think she's awesome really looking forward to this biopic and her dad is Ron Howard I've just found out so there we go keep it in the family that is She's basically Hollywood royalty then. She literally has, like, the film industry in her blood. I did not know that. Wow. Um, Cool. Well, Um, you know, Wikipedia might be lying, but who knows. Um, (laughs) Looking forward to a good biopic, though, especially when the person who it's about is still alive to see it and comment on it. That always gives it a bit more added uh, interest and intrigue. Um, So, yeah, looking forward to that one. Cool, and just to wrap up news, so they're currently filming the new Men in Black film in London at the moment and had to pause a bit because there's been some uh, some heat in the UK. Uh, there's been heat everywhere in the world because, you know, global warming. And uh, there was also loads of storms over the weekend. But they announced that Emma Thompson is going to be in Men in Black. So she's back in Men in Black. Uh, do you remember she was she was a one of the head agents in uh, the original films and she's been recast in, in this film. Uh, Chris Hemsworth... Uh, tweeted a picture of his workout in Hyde Park um, the other day and I, I, I go to the gym and I try my best but um, yeah when you you see him working out you think what's the point because he's literally a, a, a tank <laughs> Emma Thompson's a funny lady I'm glad to see her do some kind of uh, more comic stuff hopefully in Men in Black anyway you would assume she can pull off that classic like voice where she's clearly british but she's not taking the piss mm. do you know what i mean like there's not many actors who can maintain their british integrity without being the butt of all jokes and and she she's very very elegant but like you say very very funny so um, i think this is just great casting news and uh, a good good way to tie it back into the original world of men in black but there you go that's your news for this week your mission Should you choose to accept it? I wonder, did you ever choose not to? The end you always feared is coming. Mission colon impossible fallout is the sixth movie of Tom Cruise reprising his role as Ethan Hunt. Um, This is... He's the man who keeps on going. He's the bionic man, but he is able to still keep producing powerhouse performances, amazing action choreography scenes. And you kind of figured after this many endeavours out with the Mission Impossible crew at at IMF that you figured that they kind of would have run out of steam by now. Far from it. This is another return to form. Um, Tom Cruise, obviously, reprising his role, but it's got Henry Cavill uh, playing a CIA operative in this. And this is the famous Moustache Gate anyone who can't remember a while back in Justice League they decided to refilm basically 
80% of the film. And Henry Cavill was away at this time filming his scenes for Mission Impossible. And they, they, they asked him to come back and they said, well, he can come back, but he's got to keep the moustache. So they had to do some terrible CGI work. And uh, we finally got to see the moustache on screen uh, in all its glorious glory. And um, there's some returning characters as well. Ring Rhymes is uh, back. He's a series mainstay. Simon Pegg's Benji has gone from that complete full circle now of being a, a guy in the chair in the in the, in the office to becoming a full field agent. Uh, Refer, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who was in Ghost Nation, she's back as well as her character. Um, there's some really interesting casting in this. So Angela Bassett, who's an absolute treasure, she's she plays the, the new head of the CIA. Obviously, Alec Baldwin's returned as well. So the basic premise of this is that the start of the film is uh, a typical typical impossible mission that Tom Cruise and his team are out there to try and solve unfortunately it doesn't go according to plan and there are some nuclear materials out on the black market and the film is spent about Tom Cruise's team going to require these materials back to try and avert nuclear disaster I won't go into too much detail than that that's the you know that's basically level one of what the story is about and the CIA have had enough of Ethan Hunt keep ballsing things up so they've sent their own operative to keep an eye on him played by Henry Cavill and his character is called August Walker which is an awesome name and this film is just non-stop action non-stop uh, puns non-stop just fun this is the the big blockbuster of the summer and um, I can't give it any more praise than that I've really really enjoyed it I thought the stunt choreography is amazing they still find ways to to top each film each film has a is kind of centered around the set piece you think about um the, the third movie on that bridge you think about uh, the fourth one where they were climbing up that tower and you think about about everything else that's happened in these films there's always that big set piece and this is no exception there is some stunning work that happens uh, it's a helicopter scene it's kind of the main action scene which is just incredible to watch Tom Cruise apparently does all his own stunts as always and um, there's a fight scene with Henry Cavill, Tom Cruise and a, a couple of generic bad guys. But it is, it is so intense. And I'm pretty sure Henry Cavill is obviously Superman size. He is still the, you know, the, the, the man the size of a tank. And I swear, you might have seen it in the trailers, he literally reloads his arm like a shotgun. It's hilarious. But um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, absolute, it's an absolute joy to watch. John, where do you stand on the Mission Impossible films? Uh, well, they're kind of, you know, leave your brain at the door action epics. But, I, you know, I do enjoy a good one from time to time. Um, I mean, when I looked, two and a half hours, do you think that's a bit too long for this kind of thing? Or were you exhausted at the end or was it just right? Oh, I've got to admit, it was a little bit too long. But that was just because I was seeing a very late showing uh, on opening day. And I was quite tired, but I I was really I was captivated, you know, start to finish. There's a couple of amazing gotchas in this where you know how Mission Impossible does the classic, oh we're wearing a mask and we're hiding things and, and all of a sudden the tables get turned. There's one oh shit moment where they switch it round. Actually there's two. There's one at the start and one at the end and there's it, it keeps you going, it keeps the blood pumping, it keeps it all going. What I find quite funny about this is there's literally a scene where they pretty much recreate what happens in a previous film and you don't even realise it until you sit there and go, wait a minute, didn't they do that in a previous mm -hmm. film? But don't let that sound like they're running out of ideas. They're not at all. The director on this one is Christopher uh, McGeary. He's also got people who worked on it from uh, the original TV show as well. And yeah, it's just... It just keeps going from strength to strength. And I don't want these films to let up at all. I mean, there is a question about, are these guys a bit too old to keep doing this? <laughs> well, it's amazing. Tom Cruise, how good he looks, firstly, for how old he is and how the condition he is in. Because he does, well, you know, he claims to do all his own stunts and a lot of it is quite evident in the scenes. It's just like amazing testament to the man. Oh, 100%. Um, like just, just to put things in perspective... Mission Impossible, this franchise started as a film uh, endeavour with him as the lead in 1996. That's when this has started. And he still keeps delivering performance after performance after performance, stunt after stunt after stunt, and each film gets bigger and better. Um, and I hate to say this, but you know how like the Fast and Furious movies seem to get bigger and better and everything else? This is like that. It's just, you know, there's going to be 10 of these, and we're still going to be enjoying them. Um 
I I love the fact, and I was listening to a podcast with Brad Bird. He directed um, uh, Ghost Nation, not Ghost Nation, sorry, Rogue Nation, uh, which I think was the fifth film. And um, this was a real sort of scene shift in terms of how to uh, portray the characters. He said, I wanted it to stop being about just Tom and about the team. It's about a team of operatives. And that decision there has injected so much life in the franchise because I think if it was just always about just about Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt, we would have been bored by now. But the fact that they've made it almost like Ocean's Eleven, it's about an ensemble of special operatives who have got an impossible mission to solve and here's a really entertaining journey that they're going to go through and it's going to take you around the world, it's going to be interesting special effects, there's going to be loads of gadgets, there's going to be great performances. Um, Henry Cavill is, like I said before, absolutely brilliant in this. Um, There is one thing, this is not a spoiler, but I was laughing my ass off at the end of the film. And people were looking at me like, why are you laughing? This isn't a particularly funny, you know, funny ending or anything like that. And I was just like, <laughs> he could have wore a prosthetic throughout this whole film quite easily. <laughs> Paramount have clearly just said F you to Warner Brothers and made them spend millions on terrible CGI and basically killed a DC franchise. There is no scene where he could not have wore a prosthetic. <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, Wars. I've got a, a couple of questions. You know I love music and films i've always loved the music in mission impossibles and the way they reinvent it each film uh thinking particularly about limp biscuit take a look around classic um <laughs> so what did they have for this one so they they leaned very much on the original theme and um, it was very orchestral um, it kind of they, they literally just done a beefed up version of the original tv theme and uh, they tried to they you know how indiana jones is kind of like this action uh, orchestra sound mm-hmm. They, they very much lent into that sort of side of things. No synthesizers or anything like that. It was kind of like more of a, a classic sound, timeless sound they were going for. Okay, cool. Which is quite quite amped for Tom Cruise, right? The guy is literally timeless. There is an, a quite... Obviously, it wouldn't be a Tom Cruise film without an extreme scene of running. Um, anyone who knows London, he manages to run from St. Paul's to, um, to Tower Bridge in what appears to be two minutes. Um, but then again... I generally believe he could if you just see him run. It's all about the Tom Cruise run. It's about having your hands open flat and just making sure that you're running at an incredibly high pace. It's like that scene in Dumb and Dumber when he's running in the car. (laughs) (laughs) He's, I mean, for how old he is, what, 59? Don't quote me on that, I'm guessing. But he's an incredibly fast runner. Obviously, maybe they've just timed it 1.25 times, but (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'm always amazed by that. Obviously, this movie is all about escapism. Is it escapist enough to make you forget that Tom Cruise's fee is largely going towards a, a weird religious cult in America? Or Yes, you definitely don't think about what's going on in the real world. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's escapism at its best. It's, uh, I can't give it any more higher praise than that. He doesn't look like he's aged a day. Um, he can still do it, and he looks like he can still do it for a very long time, and I really hope he does. So for me, it's a five out of five film. I've really enjoyed it. It is the blockbuster of the summer. Um, but I am going to put that little asterisk of, you know, it's a five out of five, but when we do our end of year comparison, please let's not be comparing it to Shape of Water and all that sort of thing. This is pure, loud escapism at its full glory. And for that alone, it is a five just for the moustache alone. Awesome. How is he? Oh, you know, same old Ethan. Uh, recently me and jamie you may know the science guy who pops up every now and again no not the one that's married to john that's a different jamie Uh, we went to a screening of a film called kaiser the greatest footballer to never play football we also sat in a qa with the director afterwards and and here's a recording from a london hotel uh, depicting how it went and our review so enjoy Hello, Adam and Jamie from Talk Filmy to Me here. We are in a London hotel room late at night with two cocktails. No, that is not a dodgy 
thing. That is actually what's happened. We've just been to a screening of Kaiser, the greatest footballer to never play. Is that to never play football? To never played football. Yeah. Um, we've just been to a screening with a Q and A of the director Louis Miles, as well as one of his, I think, producers, who is a mm-hmm. very nice Irish gentleman who basically gave us the story of the film. We'll go into the Q and A stuff in a moment, but this film comes out on the 29th of July in UK cinemas. I really hope it gets an international release. Um, it's a documentary about a gentleman who, in the 80s and 90s in Brazil, basically cons the world of football by claiming to be a professional footballer, getting signed for clubs, and basically living the life of Riley off of this. And this is the, the story of how he does this. There's some dramatisation, as in they recreate some scenes in there, but this is them trying to fathom the truth from the fiction and it's a, it's a really interesting play to be honest Jamie what's your take on this yeah I mean I, I really enjoyed it I mean I, I went in with if I'm brutally honest with low expectations um, not really the sort of film I'm into um, I don't really watch I like football but I don't really watch football documentaries um, and and as well when you look at the, the director whilst he's made some some very Good pieces. They've all been very football related and very limited. I think. I think. I think on IMDb, it's about four or five pieces, and it's mm. done. So I, I went in with with low expectations, but came out pretty happy. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. When I hear football documentary, especially in the UK, it's been kind of ruined by TV because yeah. a lot of TV shows will make these terrible low budget football shows where they've got a bunch of nobodies talking about an yeah. event that you don't remember. Yeah. A Man United fan who happened to be in the Coronation Street, Coronation Street three times. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But the caliber of people they had on this was incredible. I mean, Zico was on there, Renato Gusto, mm-hmm. uh, Bernardo da Silva, uh, Batisto. Um, it's just it, the list goes on and on and on of classic legends of the football game especially Brazil, Brazil. Yeah. yeah it was royalty um, some of the people they were speaking to and not to mention obviously the man himself um, Kaiser he he gives full permission and it's warts and all his descriptions of the events that have happened and mm. um, they get a voice narrator over it now anyone in the UK will know this you know the um, what's the Spanish beer uh, San Miguel San Miguel you know that the voice that sexy voice like, yeah. I've been behind bars yeah. Right, yeah. they got that guy to do the, the ah, narration nice. over it um, what I found quite interesting about the tone of this film was that I, I anyone who's listened to this knows when I review a documentary I, I kind of grade it on three things one is does it inform me like do I learn something new from this two does it keep me captivated from start to finish and three, does it make sense? Could I explain this from A to B? In some elements, definitely it has done that. Mm. It's, you know, I found it so fascinating. It's literally the life you could not make up. Um, the director afterwards said, if you look at like Catch Me If You Can, all the guy done was fake some checks, right? Mm. All that stuff about being a pilot and all that, that was it's all, all bollocks. Hollywood, wasn't it? That was all Hollywood. Exactly. There's no dramatisation here. Literally, yeah. this guy ends up signing for 30 different clubs over 20 years. During that time, he gets in bed with government officials. He works mafia. with mafia. There's, there's 26 years he's done this. Fair, so 26, 26 years. 26 years. It's the longest ever con man. But I think the thing that made it so successful, was, and the directors touched on this as well, didn't they, is that when it comes to the attitude about common in Brazil is very different to the attitude we might have here in the UK or in the US or It's elsewhere. like everyone loves a bastard. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it was. It's like they appreciate the cheekiness of it. And he goes on to say as well in the film, Kaiser talks about how he never hurt anyone, he never robbed anyone, never took anything from anyone. He was just playing this long con. con. Yeah. And, and it got to a point where I don't think even he could pick out the truth from the lie anymore because he became so engrossed with it. Yeah. In terms of tone of the film, so the first half... of It's like there's two documentaries put together here, in my opinion. There's the happy-go-lucky, almost charming, lovable rogue story of a guy who just kept on lying and made his way to the top and that these different football clubs were so embarrassed they signed him Mm. that they wouldn't be honest to other football clubs and just say, yeah, you can buy him. Mm. And then they've obviously bought a dud and they'll offload him to someone else and he'll go and then he'll jump from country to country. So he'll end up doing a stint at PSG. If you're a football fan, you'll think, wow, that's a big club. And then he'll go back to Brazil or he'll go to Greece or go to France. And and it's all funny, happy, Brazil, sex. Yeah. Look at these budgie smugglers. There was a lot of crotch shots in this film. A lot of wang. There was a, a hell of a lot of wang, as well as a prosthetic wang as well. But um, yeah, we, I quite enjoyed we, we won't go into the details <laughs> on that one. But um, at some point in this film, there's a realisation that the lies and the deceit 
catches up with him. Mm. And Enrique gives a... Uh, sorry, should I say um, Kaiser, Kaiser? Gives a real in-depth, open warts and all interview where he basically confesses to most of his sins and essentially has left a frail, frail old man who's alone. And that scene is such a gut punch. It completely changes the tone of the film and it takes a while to recover. It takes a while to put a smile back on your face after. I even asked the director about this afterwards in a, in the Q&A and I asked, um, that scene is such a tone shift in the film and it's a real gut punch. And you now, did you leave anything out? Was there anything which you thought was a bit too much? And he mentioned that some newspapers have picked up um, through various edits that there was a couple of revelations that have come yeah. out in the press recently. But they well, had one a, of them was about him being abducted as a child, wasn't it? Yeah, all that sort of and, stuff. And they left it out of the final cut. Although Louis did say that was something that Kaiser did go back to several times, and he felt, and he didn't, didn't he? Didn't he say that actually the stuff that Kaiser kept repeating and kept being consistent with? actually turned out to be some truths, even mm. stuff he thought was bullshit. Yeah, it was interesting. But the the tone shift was, was I thought, what the film needed, but it was a real gut punch. It sucked the life out of the audience. It stopped being, hey, fun, Brazil, to, no, this is the this is what happens when you spend all your life on the run lying. You, uh, you're alone, and you, you do not have much money to your name, mm. and this is the repercussions of that life. And it really did add more gravitas to the whole thing. It made it far more human, it made it more real. And um, I thought that was masterful. And uh, yeah. I thought it was really good storytelling. So I think up to that point, we were just bouncing around, weren't we, going, this is unbelievable. Yeah. No way has he done this. No, And, and, and the stories and, and the situations he gets himself into just seem to grow and grow and grow. And you just think, how can any of this be real? And like you said, and then it's pulled all and tied up all together at the end. Hmm. that final scene there's some nice timing bits in this so when I say the timing I mean it's some masterful editing here because there really is some scenes where there's just a sentence and it's really hard to add gravitas when it's not in native tongue right Hmm. a lot of this is subtitled and the pauses to allow the audience to read it and digest what he just said I just thought uh, it was gripping it was captivating and that's when a documentary really does go for it there are some things like I do think the timing is a bit weird. Like it, they don't yeah. you don't get a real sense for what year it is when he's jumping from club to club and yeah. But they didn't want it to be a football story. They wanted it to be a con man story. So yeah. I, I totally appreciate that. I mean, they actually did say as well they've they did seven trips to Brazil over the two and a half years that they filmed it. Yeah, and they got over two hundred thirty hours worth of footage, and so they're about to cut that down, haven't they? And yeah. So I think I think maybe if we got to see the thing in its fullness like if it had been a like a Netflix a, a show Netflix, or something yeah. you know mini series or something like that I think maybe that made it would have made more sense from what they were telling us yeah uh, but they didn't want to lose the main point of the story because it does go off on some side roads occasionally to yeah. explain a the relationship <laughs> yeah, yeah the relationship that builds around this other character that comes into the narrative um, but yeah I, I, I agree with you it, it was a bit hard to follow at times but when you sit back and just appreciate it as a whole piece I thought it was very well done yeah 100% enjoyed it it's uh, definitely the best documentary film I've seen this year and I've seen a few to be fair before you go yeah whatever Flint <laughs> stick back to your Marvel films um, I, I've really did enjoy this I do I do think it's a little bit too long um, but that might be because we had to restart the film because there's massive storms in the UK it got delayed a little bit so a lot of people were late so they decided to start the film again yeah. which is fair enough really but um, yeah so if I'm going to grade this I'm going to go 4 out of 5 I think I really enjoyed the narrative of this I felt it was a little bit too long um, this is definitely the greatest football story never told yeah. um, I also think that this will become at some point it's got to become a box office uh Reenactment, like this is going to be someone's going to yeah, take this in Hollywood. A feature movie about it because it is an incredible story. And if you don't know anything about it, because that's the other thing we should probably add is that it came from one of his mates who worked in the city finding it in a, on a Reddit forum in 2013 in native Portuguese. Hmm. And I think they went over to Brazil for the World Cup. And the two days they were there, they heard the story twice. Yep, you'll uh, be surprised at how many how many news outlets get their news from Reddit. Obviously, I cannot say the news organisation that I worked at, but if you say, this is, uh, 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 you're probably along those right lines yeah. if you like American news. Um, they actually would say what's on Reddit in the mornings. And I I dare to think, actually, that I'm pretty sure they would have discovered this and done a write-up at some point, mm. uh, if not as a result of this documentary anyway. Yeah. I do think this is going to real sh- uh, shed some light 
on um, Kaiser and more of the the stuff that he's done. It sounds like a lot of media outlets are picking this up yeah. and running with it. I think and they should, and they should. It's a great story. It's a really interesting story. And actually, I got to say, the, like usually, I get really pissed off with dramatizations. Yeah. Like they look shit. Uh, they tend to be low budget. This is. It looks like it's scenes from a film. Yeah, like and, a and the characters film. looked like the people they were supposed to as well, which was yeah. brilliant. Like you, it was hard to follow when bits were cut scenes because it was so well done and uh, to a high quality. I think. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, you knew it was because it went back in time. Yeah, but, but but when they showed like one of the mafia bosses and then showed him in real life I was like that's the same person yeah. that's insane although I kind of hope they would have got Bricktop from Snatch yeah, somehow yeah. involved that would have been genius <laughs> but um, also you know, props to the cinematography yeah. it looked beautiful you can I mean they said they went to Brazil several times to, to get their, their material here a lot of cultural appreciations here mm. I felt like you got off the plane at Brazil at the yeah. start of this film like the scenes they were bringing in that's and right. Especially now, I think we saw it on a digital screen, and you can really appreciate the quality. Yeah. And even when you've got the archive footage next to it, it's just edited in such a nice way. So, so Louis and everyone involved, you know, bang up job. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, really enjoyed your QA, and uh, we hope to see you again soon, sir. Yeah. Only thing I would add, just one last final thing. Yeah. You don't have to be a football fan to go watch this. Uh, this is not go a football. Go and watch this. No- you can know nothing about football yeah. and you're really going to enjoy this. If you want to know a compelling story about a con man yeah. who spent 26 years duping most of a yeah. continent... That's it. This is it. And we both gave it four out of five. I, I, streaming Gems. For the streaming gem this week, we're going to view Extinction. It's just come out on your Netflix account. It came out today in the UK. Um, I don't know what the international dates are. Apologies for that for our overseas listeners, but um, I'm sure it'll be coming out very soon. We tried to get a screener from this from Netflix, but Netflix had come out and said, we are not giving any screeners of Extinction to any media outlets. You'll have to watch it on the day of release, just like everyone else. And thankfully... Jamie, my boy, you've managed to spend some time to actually watch this, so I'm not really going to spend too much time talking here. I've then just question you on this. Uh, what's the premise of this film? Um, right, so it's, a, it's a difficult one to give away about going into too many spoilers, but essentially alien entities come to Earth to take over. Right. And I'm going to leave it there on the overview, because if I say any more, I'll give it away. Am I right in thinking, so what I've seen from the trailers, it's got Michael Pena in it, and yep. basically he sees a vision of the future, yep. and events start playing out yes. that lead towards it. Yeah. And that's that's basically the film, right? Yeah. It's got Mike Coulter in it as well. Mike Coulter, who plays Luke Cage, he is the suavest, smoothest motherfucker on the planet. And yep. um, what's what is it, what his characters like? So he, he's not a massive character in this film. He um, He's Michael Pena's boss at the factory where they work, um, and 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 he and he helps save him and his family at the end. And that's not giving away a spoiler either. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, I think I think the film has opened itself up for potentially a second one. Right. Uh, I don't know. Netflix aren't really known for many sequels really are they uh, no they I think, films. I think they need to make a, a really good film yeah. first before they need to worry about that but. and uh, maybe they're not quite there yet this was good this was a good move in the right direction Netflix have had a few hits and misses recently well more misses than hits recently um, I felt like this was a, a good move in the right direction a good a good storyline I'm going to put that yeah. out there uh, it's very hard for me to try and not give it away but <laughs> but I did not see the direction the story was going. Okay, so Michael Pena, usually he's a he's a yeah. supporting actor. You think yeah. about him in roles like Ant-Man, where he's that more comedic thing, but you think more actually when he was in The Martian, where he played mm. a serious character, even though I was kind of expecting a joke every time he was on screen. But he, he does have some great chops. How is he in this as a leading man? Um, it's, it's, it's a difficult one, really, because it, he's obviously the leading man in the, in the film, but almost not at the same time. So the way he, the way the film is portrayed, and the way it's it's it follows the family, like almost all elements of the family have the same level, the same amount of screen time. Right. So whilst he is probably the main character in the film, he doesn't come out out and out as being the only person on the screen. The whole right. Time. I see. So there's a lot of everyone else doing the heavy lifting, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. The, what about the effects, right? Because I'm going to be honest. When I hear we're not letting press review this film, mm. is almost an admission of guilt, in my opinion. Yeah. Is um, the effects good? Is it? Does it? Yeah. There's a lot of dark scenes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot of dark scenes with lots of flashes and bright lights and firing and stuff like that. Um, 
and it's very much a slow burner as well. Right. So it starts off quite futuristic, a little bit in the future. Uh, a bit of a slow burner, and I've got to admit, I almost turned it off 10 minutes in. Right, but does it? did it hook you in at some point? It hooked yeah. me in. And it was basically, as soon as his visions started coming true, and then I was hooked, sort of got involved, stayed with it and watched a bit more. Uh, but yeah, it's... it's the, 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 I, personally, no issues with the visual effects. I think Netflix don't really scrimp on that too much do they even yeah. with that Will Smith film that came out recently you know the visual effects were still quite good I thought I generally enjoyed yeah, that film actually I, yeah, as well. I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of people a lot of critics slam that film but yeah, I, I think I it's really a good hard film time. but um, so so let's let's round it off it sounds like we can't go too much into the narrative without spoiling it for the listeners so what's what's your what's your score on this I, I would give it a solid 3 cool it's not it's not a it's not going to you know, win any awards at the Oscars or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You're not going to waste your time watching it either. Uh, it's a good film to watch with someone special. You know, I think there's elements that everyone will like of it. There's a lot of heartache, a lot of drama, action, a bit of thriller to it, a uh, bit of mystery as well. Can you compare it to anything? Like, Is there a thing you can say, if you like this, this is okay for you? Um, very difficult again uh, I, part of me says no because that's why I like it so much because it's not a rehash of another story that's cool um, if I had to compare it to anything um, probably a little bit of <laughs> um, not super true yeah super true but a little bit a little bit like that so it's a bit am I thinking of the right film Starship Troopers Starship Troopers sorry right. yeah a little bit like that if they were all based on Earth and oh, okay yeah. Okay, cool. Well, there you have it. The Extinction, three out of five. It's available on Netflix right now. Office higher or lower, it does exactly what it says on the tin. Basically, I've got a list of films and the amount of revenue they acquired over their opening box office weekend in America, taken from boxofficemojo.com. I'm going to ask my guests after naming a film, for example, Furious 7 grossed $147 million in the box office, the Oscar-winning Suicide Squad, higher or lower, and John would say... Lower. And he would be correct. Suicide Squad grossed $133 million in its opening weekend. Unfortunately, John, that was just the example. You're still on zero. Do you understand? Are you ready to go? Hit me. Cool. Calculator's ready. So, let's get started. The Incredibles 2 grossed $182 million on its opening box office weekend. I want to know about The Matrix Revelations, the final film in the Matrix franchise. Did that gross higher or lower on its opening weekend? I'm going to go lower. You are correct. The Matrix Revelations only grossed $48 million in its opening weekend. So moving from the Matrix Revelations, while we're talking about the man himself, Mission Impossible 3, did that gross higher or lower than the Matrix Revelations? 3, that would be a similar sort of time, wouldn't it? Um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go lower. You are correct, but only just $47 million. I knew it. Uh, we'll still... We'll, We'll stay in Tom Cruise land. Let's go with the original Mission Impossible from 1996. Bear in mind, this had massive worldwide publicity and it was everyone saying this is going to be America's answer to James Bond. Did that gross higher or lower than Mission Impossible 3? I I think on the count of it being 96, I'm going to say lower. You are correct. It grossed $45 million on its opening weekend. So going from Mission Impossible to Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. This is the fourth film in the franchise. Uh, Johnny Depp, do you remember, infamously uh, got barred from Australia because he wouldn't let his dogs in. Then he smuggled his dogs in and it become worldwide news that he, the Australian government were going to take his dogs away. And that all came about at the same time that Dead Man's Chest was being released. Did that gross higher or lower than Mission Impossible's opening weekend? Those movies are absolute cash cows. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made 100 of them. I'm definitely going higher. You are correct. It made $110 million more, so $135 million in its opening weekend. Wow. So, going from Johnny Depp to another, another bit of eye candy, Deadpool 2, did that gross higher or lower? Oh, well, I want to say higher because it's a better movie and I enjoyed it. So, I'm going to go higher unfortunately it didn't 125 oh. million which by the way is still a truckload of money uh, yeah so deadpool 2 the first time i go with my heart over my head you see that's a lesson 
to everyone. There we go. So let's go to another sequel, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. We dedicate this one in memory of James Gunn. <laughs> Did that gross higher or lower than Deadpool 2? I'm going to go with higher on the count of it being a more family movie. You are correct. It grossed $146 million in its opening weekend. So keeping with the family theme, The Secret Life of Pets, the animated movie that came out last year, did that gross higher or lower than Guardians of the Galaxy oh, Volume 2? I feel like you're throwing me a curveball here and it's going to be higher, isn't it? I'm going to go higher. It's not. Oh. It's lower, 104. <laughs> so yeah, The Secret Life of Pets grossed $104 million in its opening weekend. And since we were talking about it earlier, Deadpool, the original, did that gross higher or lower than The Secret Life of Pets in its opening weekend? I think lower. I think that was a bit more of a slow burner. You are incorrect. It was $132 million gross in its opening weekend in America. Damn. I start I start these things so well and then... I know, I know, I know. You, you, equaled your, you equaled last week's score at six. So let's see if you can push on with one more. And to finish it off... Will Smith's Ali movie, the Oscar-nominated film, came out in the in the late nineties. Did that gross higher or lower than Deadpool? Lower for sure. It did. It only grossed fourteen million dollars in its opening weekend. So, John, you finished on seven. Good stuff. Uh, little bonus round for you. I'm going to list out three films, and you've got to tell me which one grossed higher in its opening weekend. And there's a little theme to them, just to keep you happy. The Cable Guy. Okay. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, or Dumb and Dumberer when Harry met Lloyd? Dumb and Dumberer. Oh, God. Yeah. This is going to upset me, isn't it? Is it? It's Dumb and Dumberer, isn't it? Nope, and thank God, because <laughs> this is proof that you do you never cast, you never recast Jim Carrey. It was The Cable Guy. The Cable Guy grossed $19 million on its opening weekend. It's insane, isn't it? I'd love to know that point in time where box office opening weekends went from being in the tens to hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm. There'll be a really interesting report about that, I'm sure. So there you have it, John. I'd like to do a feature on The Cable Guy one day and the the vitriol that it's received from pop culture and how it's completely wrong. And it's an amazing movie. I'm sure there's many people that agree with me. I, I agree with you. I love it. Just, just for that karaoke scene alone, that, that's enough for me. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a classic. Do you remember the joke on The Simpsons where they were like, Homer was like, Damn you, Cable Guy scripts nearly ruining Jim Carrey's career. I remember loving The Simpsons when I was younger and being so confused by that. I was like, no, it's a great movie. What What do you mean ruined his career? It always stuck with me. <laughs> so you got people sitting around around chat rooms everywhere saying, you know what, I completely agree with the problem with a poo. I'm going to boycott The Simpsons. You're like, I was boycotting The Simpsons way before it was cool. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so good work. Box office higher or lower, you've made it to seven. taking the time to listen to this podcast if you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it please click on the like subscribe the follow whatever button it means that you get more content from talk filming to me i want to thank my boy john john how can people find you you can find me at descamento on twitter cool next week we'll be back with more reviews a streaming gem back with box office higher or lower uh, thank you to people that keep sending us messages and keep sharing our podcast and following us on podbean uh, it's something like 780 people now follow us on that and we're in the thousands of subscribers so so thank you so much we really do appreciate it and we'll keep producing more and more content and no it's not going to go behind the paywall ever so um yeah we're going to keep it going and john happy anniversary pal it's been a year since our first pod exactly a year Yes, uh, I was hoping to do a special soon, but um, unfortunately the conference that we we're going to go to, it didn't really pan out. So uh, we're going to come up with some ideas. We've got we've got tons of prizes and from all the sponsors who keep sending me stuff to give out, that they are happening very soon, I promise. And uh, yeah, watch this space. But till next time, thanks again. Happy anniversary. We're down in the basement. We'll lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.